What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 77 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, as always, and uh, as frequent, joining me today is Scott Coleman of Talking Chop. What's up, Scott? Thanks for having me back, Brad. Always enjoy doing it. Uh, it's my pleasure to have you, sir. It's been a little while, actually. It's been like a month that you've been on, which seems like a long time. Um, every uh, every weekend for the last month or so, we've seemingly had some family members staying at our house, so been a little busy with that, but glad to be back on and still been able to keep an eye on the Braves, of course. Um, it was unfortunate. Somebody mentioned today um, that now on getaway days, the team is roughly 10 and 23 on the season. I didn't go back to count it myself, but that seems right. Of course, they uh, got a pretty good butt whooping on Sunday, but won a series against a pretty hot Marlins team, um, and hopefully <laughs> they're finally able to beat the Phillies uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in a short, uh, a short two game series. Yeah. I mean, Sunday didn't go well. Obviously it was a four, one loss. People are that might've missed that game, but, uh, it was all done in the, in the top of the first inning. So if you missed the first like 20 minutes of this game, uh, there was one run scored on either end the rest of the way. Uh, Lucas Sims kind of imploded early on actually was kind of impressive and settling down. Like yeah. a young guy like that, you think it might go south in a hurry. He was obviously giving it four runs in the first inning, but then threw five scoreless endings after that to kind of give the Braves at least a chance to come back. They, they never, they never did, too. but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a good, a nice start for Sims, even though the numbers don't look great with the six innings, four and runs, but uh, I'll take that all day based on what he did in the first inning. Um, yeah. So a positive well, thing there. Yeah, and Ozuna's three-run homer. I mean, you know, you can play this game all long or game all day, but I think his his three-run homer it was maybe six inches past the left field wall. So if that ball just comes down a foot closer towards the field than the seats, you know, it's it's probably a different game. But hey, um, it, it is a good sign that he was able to kind of regain himself after giving up the two homers early. For sure, and uh, I mean, it's, even with that loss, the Braves at least now are playing functional baseball again. They've won three out of the last five, which isn't much until you consider how many games they lost in a row before that. So yeah. um, they're back to 51 and 59 now, which is not any great shakes. And, you know, 530, I was writing, I was actually tweeting about this yesterday, but 538 now has them at 75 and 87 um, to finish the season, which is about what I thought coming into the year. And most of the projection systems are sort of in that range. So looks like yeah. everybody's going to be coming down to somewhere in the mid-high 70s. Um, of course, I'm not sure how much those things have to take into account, like something of a youth movement that's been happening uh, recently. So that might actually swing things a little bit. Um, I guess probably, I mean, I don't know, a lot, a lot of stuff happened since the last podcast, but I guess the, the headliner, aside from Ozzy Albus, who which we'll get to uh, later on the podcast, was the Sean Rodriguez trade, um, because that was sort of a weird one. Uh, he's obviously owed some money uh, for 2018, which could explain why he was out, but what did you think of uh, that deal based on the fact that, you know, from all reports, the return for him is basically quite minimal. It looks like a pretty much a salary dump to me. Yeah, it looks like a salary dump, and I was one of the people who was really excited when they signed Sean Rod last December. Um, had a really nice career year in Pittsburgh, and kind of turned that into a, a you know a pretty decent deal. I think it's two years and five million with a you know uh, or two years and ten million, five million annually, and a one and a half million signing bonus. Um, you know, a guy who really had a nice year last year, but anytime you have a freak off the field, uh, you know, accident injury like. Uh, Sean and his family did over over the winter months. Uh, for those who aren't aware, of course, he was uh, driving in Miami in a stolen police car, uh, T-boned him in the middle of the intersection. Um, you know, we've said before, it's honestly, it, it's pretty fortunate that it wasn't worse than what it was. Um, but I was sad to see him go. But at the same time, um, with the emergence of Johan Camargo, um, even if you're not fully sold on him as an everyday player, he still has the potential to be a solid utility guy. Um, Danny Santana has been pretty solid in the outfield. Lane Adams, uh, Lane Adams seems to do well every time he gets a little bit of a chance. So 
an expendable player. And, and again, um, as you mentioned, it seems like uh, with the chance to drop maybe $7 million uh, between this year and next year, uh, I'm sure the front office had, it, had its reasons for doing this. Yeah, I mean, the money does matter for as much as I don't want it to matter. It always does. Um, and, th- and this kind of stuff. And Rodriguez, uh, I said this, I'm not sure I believe it necessarily, but uh, I think there's definitely a significant chance that Sean Rodriguez will be better next year than Johan Camargo is next year. Um, I'm not sold. I'm in the camp of not sold on Camargo um, based on what we've seen, but I'm not saying I'm, I'm totally out either. Uh, I think a lot of people have, are too high on him based on what we've seen. Um, at the same time, um, if you're giving me similar production from Camargo versus Rodriguez and one guy's making the minimum and the other guy's making five plus million for next year, right. it's a pretty easy yep. uh, thing, especially for a rebuilding team. You know, next year they want to compete, obviously, but um, they're also about what is it like an eight, eight or nine year age gap as well. So if you if you if you have to invest, uh, you know, playing time in one of those guys, you want to go younger. And even Santana, who they they appear to like, they played him at third base the other day. I'm not sure that's a real thing, but uh, between the, the, the those being the utility type of guys, they still have Jace Peterson, who isn't particularly good at baseball, but can be your last guy on the bench if you need him to be. Um, yeah. I'm okay with this. It's not not crazy. I mean, I, I would like them to get something in return for him, but if they couldn't have gotten anything in return for him, which they probably couldn't have, to be honest, especially in August, makes it difficult to get a real return. I'm okay with dumping him as long as they were not paying, and, and, and they're not paying it. So it's basically the only, the only saving grace is that the theoretical salary cap. Obviously, there's not really a salary cap, but whatever li- whatever Liberty Media assigns the uh, the front office in terms of a cap on money, uh, you get you get you get him off of that and out of the way. And with the uh, some of the expenditures that they've done, with the, you know they have Mar- they have Marquez and Kemp for next year, uh, making a lot of money. There's some money stuff that they could be uh, saving around the edges. And Rodriguez is probably one of those things. You know, if you, it's never good to read the comments, but if you read the comments on you know the Braves' official page and their Twitter page. To reactions when that deal went down, and, and similar to the Jaime Garcia deal too, it's you know why are you why are you just dumping players off? Why are you uh, not getting better prospects in return and just eat money? You know it's easy to say that when it's not your you know ten million dollars that you're saving. Um, this year the Braves' payroll was about 124 million, especially when you factor in the additions of Matt Adams midseason. Um, you know of course they weren't able to get anything for Bartolo; they just cut him outright. Um, you know, 124 million is roughly 30 million dollars more than what the Braves' uh, opening day payroll was in 2016. About 25 million more than it was in 2015. I mean, it was the highest payroll ever for the Braves. Um, and really, before um, you know, before this year, the payroll was seldom above 100 million. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I want I want the Braves to win every game they can, but you also have to be uh, you know aware that at the end of the day, as cliche as it is, baseball is a business and Liberty Media and the Braves have a bottom line. And I'm sure the, you know, the ability to shed, you know, 5 million from Jaime Garcia, 7 million from Sean Rodriguez, solid players, solid veteran players, but players who are probably better off helping, you know, a team that's battling for a playoff bid in a World Series. Um, It's not hard to see why the front office would make that move uh, to make the bottom line look a little bit better. And hopefully they're able to use some of that money um, whether in August or this off season, to you know better the team uh, in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I had less of a problem with this one than the one with Garcia. I do understand the Garcia one just because I think it was 
fairly clear that if they had if they had kept more of the money, they could have gotten a better prospect. That's more linear yeah. than this one is. I'm not sure that you know taking some money would have gotten you much more for um, Sean Rodriguez. Uh, but Garcia was like a guy people were like multiple teams were coming after that were trying to compete this year. So the demand probably was a little bit higher for Garcia, and I, I like that less based on the fact that it looked like it was uh, literally a choice between uh, different prospects, and they decided to keep the money, which is a, a, again I understand it. I, I don't like that one as much with Rodriguez. It's almost doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's definitely a dump, but he also had money on the books for next year. Next year matters more than this year, in my opinion, and really anybody's opinion that matters. Uh, you know, this year's kind of out the window at this point. It's not going to be a playoff oh, yeah. team. So uh, next year's money does matter, and uh, getting him off the books for next year uh, provides some flexibility. And that, and they actually, you, you can actually see a path more clearly to spending that money, whereas you could this year there was a week they could have taken on some more money in trade with the Garcia money, whereas next year there's a whole season in which they can, you know, quote unquote, use that some money, even, even though it's not same money you know what i mean it's kind of that uh at least theoretically they can use that money in a, in a different way in a more positive way so uh i'm okay with that and uh so sean Rodriguez is no more even though i kind of like sean Rodriguez, but as you said um I, it makes a whole lot of sense um aside from that uh i guess we can just jump to, to all these now it's kind of funny uh the podcast last week we, we uh, recorded on monday night because of the trade deadline with zach dillard and it went up tuesday morning and within a couple of hours of that uh, podcast going up of course they pr- decided to promote ozzy albies out of nowhere so we didn't get to talk about that <laughs> so uh no one's got no one on this podcast got to talk about this scott so i guess now we, now we have a week of uh, at bats as well you can talk about but what you think about uh promoting ozzy so i guess quote unquote so quickly you know, it was nice to see the homer. I mean, it was pretty cool for his first hit to be a home run. It kind of came in garbage time on, I think, Thursday night when everybody had left the park and no one was really watching. But, um, you know, he hit that homer uh, today, Sunday afternoon. He came within a couple feet. He, I thought he got it. Um, and, and the announcers mentioned that the wind was really blowing in from left field, so the wind might have knocked down his second homer. Um, look, you know, this is a guy who is 20 years old. He's not even going to turn 21 until January youngest guy in the in the league by far and you know he's not the kind of player he's not a Cody Bellinger or he's not an Aaron Judge who has the you know immediate potential to come in and just become a superstar right away um, I think very highly of Ozzy I think he's going to be a good big leaguer um, but if anybody expected him to come in right away and hit 350 with you know 10 homers and 10 steals and play you know other world defense and and everything like that you know, you, you were just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, you know, so far he's had a little bit of bad luck just with the balls that he's put in play. Um, I do think an encouraging sign, which was a little bit of a concern I had for Ozzy um, in AAA was his walk percentage in AAA was only about 6%. Um, so far he's done a good job not chasing balls out of the zone. Um, you know, he he's, hasn't, you know, fallen behind 0-2 and started swinging at crap down in the dirt um, or expanding his zone for the most part. Again, we're talking about a sample of about 20 plate appearances, um, but I think patience is obviously the thing for him. There's a reason that the Braves brought him up now. It's to get him get his feet wet, get him some experience, get him some at-bats at the highest level, because um, it's pretty clear that you know he'll be the, the second baseman of the future starting, um, I would guess, opening day 2018. For sure. I mean... <sighs> I'm okay with this. I mean, it, the timing was interesting in that they waited until right after the deadline to uh, promote Albies, which, you know, I understand it. I'm sure they were trying to flip Brandon Phillips before that. We'll talk about Phillips in a second um, because, obviously, you have to move him around because, you know, 
I was encouraged at least slightly by the fact that uh, as soon as they as soon as they promoted Albies, it was clear and it was stated on the record that they were going to play him every day because that was my big fear is that with with, with yeah. Brian Snicker's track record recently uh, to not play him every day would have been criminal. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, we, we don't know this, but it would not blow me away if the front office basically said we're going to promote Ozzy and you're going to play him every day and uh, basically just said, hey, hey, Brian, you, you got to play this guy. It doesn't matter what you want to do. Um, of course, we do. That's just me talking. We don't know that, but uh, it didn't. Uh, that was encouraging, at least that we're going to see him play. And you know, right now the jury is out on how, on how good Albies is at this moment. But he's very talented. Uh, the lack of pops sort of been overblown. I think. I think he has a little, a little bit more. Uh, maybe not home run pure power, but has extra base power. And uh, with, with with his speed, it plays up a little bit in that way as well. So uh, I don't love Albies in the way that some, some people do, but I do think he can certainly be a starter long term at second base. And uh, you know, there's no. I have no problem with getting him up now. And let him get his feet wet for a while because as we talked about before the season's essentially over from a competitive standpoint obviously you want to win games but um getting him up up now is sort of a, a low risk situation in that if, he, if he's bad um there's not really a downside there and uh just getting him some some uh some reps at the big league level is encouraging i think uh dansby will, will be returning somewhere in the near future to play alongside him although uh Gwinnett's not gone great for dansby either which we can talk about if you want to but uh anyway albies is up uh, i know it's been a week and it's not breaking news anymore but i wanted to at least hit on that briefly um if if only because uh, it's a new, it's a new thing and a, a very exciting player, and you know one of the youngest guys in the big leagues. Is he, is he the youngest guy in the big leagues? I think he might be. Yeah, he is. I think he's about three months younger than uh, Devers out in Boston. So there you go. He's twenty years old. Um, that's crazy that I'm uh, more than ten years older than an, an, an MLB <laughs> player. Um, but uh, here we are, and uh, looking forward to Ozzy, even though I have the reputation of hating him. Uh, it's not, that was never that was never true. I blame, <laughs> Me Eric, too. I, blame I blame Eric Cole for that. Me too. Everybody thinks I hate Ozzy because I tweeted once or twice. He's like not Mike Trout, you know. He's not going to be <laughs> or Ronald Acuna for that matter. You know, he's not a guy who's going to necessarily come in and be worth like five wars rookie year, similar to a way like Jason Hayward kind of changed the Braves in 2010. Um, but I love Ozzy. I think he's going to be great. He seems like a cool dude, always smiling. Um, yeah, someone tweeted me the other day, like, I'm always pooping on Ozzy. I'm like, I'm, I'm not, you know, but hey, what are you going to do? Yeah, mine is more organic in that uh, Eric Cole basically told everybody to yell at Carlos and I about Ozzy because <laughs> I was uh, famously saying that Braves should probably consider trading him because my whole platform at the time, and I, I still believe this, by the way, is that if somebody views Ozzy as a shortstop, um, then they might probably they, they probably value him at a higher level than the Braves do because uh, at least until now and still now because um, you know if they had bailed on Dansby to the point where Ozzy is playing shortstop I might be a little bit worried but he's still playing second base so if somebody thinks yeah. he's a shortstop and the Braves think he's a second baseman you know shortstop's more valuable so that was yeah sort of you my, know sort of the, my platform there but who knows and the thing I would like to see and you touched on Dansby and you know we we've, we've talked about Dansby at length on the pod ad nauseum I would argue but yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, with Dan, I want to see. I, I think they, considering Brandon Phillips has held his own at third, and you know, at this point, he's never really had a deep run in the playoffs, which is kind of amazing to think how long he's been. I mean, of course, he was the Cincinnati, and they had a team or two that was pretty decent, but for the most part, he's missed the playoffs. I would probably guess, without looking, eighty percent of the seasons, ninety percent of the seasons that he's played. Um, you know, so he's a guy who would would I would think he would be interested in going to a real contender. Um, you know, ideally the Braves get rid of, of him. Um, you know, they shift Camargo to third and bring up Dansby. And then every day you're rolling with, you know, uh, uh, Ozzy Dansby and Camargo second base, third base and shortstop. Um, I would like to see that. It's kind of similar to the youth movement thing, which was kind of a theme this week with Ozzy, Ozzy and Freed and Sims all coming up. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, 
Um, the Braves have to find a partner for BP because I don't think he's somebody they're just going to put on the bench for the next two months without, you know, without playing him regularly. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, Phillips, uh, some of the reporting was that he was not very happy um, with being taken out of the lineup. And since then, as you mentioned, he's been playing third base and playing just fine at third base. He's never played, he never, he never really played third base. A couple of nice plays, though. And um, as you said, like, it would make sense to me that he would want to get out at this point. Um, yeah. With that said, he is from Atlanta. That was part of the, uh, the appeal initially. So maybe he just doesn't want to move. But it's a short term thing. He's not, he's not signed right. beyond this year. I can't imagine that would be a huge sticking point. Um, it's no. just maybe it's probably just more about finding um, a partner. I mean, the Braves could just send him home and let him go wherever he wanted to, but uh, we're not there yet. I don't think um, it's sort of a weird situation just because of the, the limited no trade and the fact he's not really making any money. But I don't know that, that that would make him enticing for teams, but not necessarily for the Braves to move. If he can play third, then I guess it matters. But for me, it doesn't really because um, you know, with all due respect to Brandon Phillips, he's probably not going to be on the team next year. So he's been very yeah. good this year. He's been better than I thought he was ever going to be this year. I, sh- I should say that on the record because I was uh, one of the tr- one of the one of the detractors, not from the move because I thought the move was fine because it was basically no money for Brandon Phillips. But he's been better than I thought he'd be. But I just don't care about him playing third base. Like it's not like a, that's a future value for the Braves when he's not under contract and probably won't be around. So yeah, get get Dansby up. I, I think. <laughs> I want to say the Braves would probably like it if Dansby would just start hitting a little bit in Gwinnett. They could just bring him back up. He's been so bad that it might look um, pretty weird if they brought him up. I think as soon as he has a couple of good games in a row, they'll probably bring him back up. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the moment, the optics are not great if you uh, just say, all right, Dansby, come back up, even though you've been awful in Gwinnett. Here comes. Um, So at some point, he's coming back up. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And at that point, I would hope that they played Camargo at third base, if not every day, most of the days, and had Dansby in the lineup every single day. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only way. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. You know, if you want to platoon Camargo, go ahead. Um, but Dansby's got to play every day. Oz has got to play every day, and that's all I. Care, that's all I really care about. And look, if you want to evaluate Camargo, he should play every day too. There's no. There's no downside in the three of those guys playing right. every day, considering he's not blocking anybody at third base. Like just play. right. Like I would. I would rather play Camargo at third every day than do the Danny Santana experiment, which was just yes. a disaster in the one game where it happened. Or even, you know, Adonis Garcia seems to be somebody who's making his way back. Um, if I have to decide between playing Johan Camargo or Adonis Garcia uh, at third base every night, it's it's a no-brainer. You play Johan every night. Uh, oh, yes. So I'm with you. And I think the Braves, I mean, I it's hard to always interpret guys like Mark Bowman, who who's so close to the team and obviously has good connections. But, you know, he mentioned three or four times this week that the Braves are really focusing now that the deadline is over and they've, you know, not without being officially eliminated from the playoffs, they've officially been eliminated from the playoffs, uh, you know, about getting younger, looking towards 2018, letting their young guys see what they can do. Um, I tend to believe that. And, and I would like to think that Snicker in the front office would give guys like Dansby and Camargo a chance to play every day as opposed to a Brandon Phillips or an Adonis Garcia, even a Sean Rodriguez who, you know, we saw them move them because they just had an, an excess of, of utility guys. So here's hoping the next two months, I know it'll keep me tuned in if they start bringing up the young guys and letting them play instead of the veterans who don't really have a real future with the club. Yep, it's it's definitely time for that. And uh, Garcia is very very interesting. Uh, we actually had a mailbag question about that. I guess we could just stick it in here since, since we referenced him. It's from Coach Smith, and he basically asked us, uh, "What do you what should the Braves be doing with Adonis Garcia once he's healthy? Will they DFA him?" I can't, uh, he, and he says he can't imagine a spot for him, uh, and that teams might not be interested in him. Um, with that said, 
Uh, we talked about this before we started recording, but Garcia is not even to arbitration yet. Like he is comically cheap, and I don't think he's good at baseball. I never have, but he can hit left-handed pitching. So like if you, yeah, uh, I mean maybe maybe you can't trade him, but you might be able to. I mean not for much in return, but considering no. if you find a, if you find a team that's in need of a right-handed bench bat and um, against left-handed for uh, pitching, next to nothing, yeah. I mean, not even, not even like actually nothing. Like less than the veterans minimum. Essentially, he's. I, I know he's thirty two years old, but he's he's being paid like he's twenty two years old. It's like six hundred thousand dollars. Like maybe he. I'm not saying he has value, but if instead of just DFAing him, you probably could get a C minus prospect maybe from somebody. Not now, but like when he's healthy next year, if you wanted to do or in the off season, um, might, might not be the craziest thing in the world. But I, I agree with the general point though. I don't really see a path for him to be. Not necessarily on the team. I can't imagine him being in a role that's not a pure bench bat role. But I, I mean, I guess crazy, crazy, crazy things have happened because, you know, Snicker loves him at least apparently. Uh, they've always sort of leaned in the direction of Garcia when I didn't agree with that necessarily. So maybe they think more highly of him than we do. But uh, the one appeal there is that he's making absolutely no money whatsoever. Yeah, I'm with you. I hope that he's just a bench bat. I mean, if they want to start him every, you know, every other start against a, a left-handed pitcher, go wild. I mean, who cares? But I sure hope they don't have him penciled in as the starter at third again next season. Yeah, that that would be bad. I mean, even if yeah. I don't, I don't believe Camar- I don't believe in Camargo, but I would much rather see Camargo as a long-term guy, at least at least to try it than, than Garcia. Maybe maybe if you. Uh, if they really don't believe in Camargo and they, and they want Camargo in a platoon, not a platoon, but a more of a uh, utility man role, then you could bring in somebody to platoon with Garcia. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, if you want to do a, stock, a stockout thing, I, I can't imagine that that's the uh, number one plan. Um, but Garcia's one um, value is that he hits left-handed pitching. That's basically it. Um, so yeah. there you go. That's a bench player for most teams, and that should be included in the Braves. Um Away from players for a second, um, there was a report, I guess multiple reports from the AJC, from uh, DOB and uh, Jeff Schultz, uh, basically indicating that Brian Snicker is likely to come back and that Freddie Freeman kind of went to bat for Snicker this week. Um, that made me roll my eyes in a very, very hard way because my uh, my feelings on Snicker are well documented. I think he's a flat-out bad tactical manager. Uh, he cost the Braves the chance to win a game this week even with the, in the Danny Santana game, which he hit Danny Santana second in the lineup. And then in the Braves, uh, one chance to score late in the game, they had Ender and Ciarte bunt in the leadoff spot to get to Danny Santana, which uh, I wanted to punch a wall. Um, <laughs> so that's my uh, my opinion on Snicker um, in terms of, of a tactical manager. It's well documented. He is bad. I don't care what you, anybody says about it. He's bad. There's the opinion uh, out there. And listen, the players do like him. They've said it on the record. That stuff does matter. I've said this 100 times. That does matter. I'm just personally saying well, the stuff that we can see, um, yeah. he's not good. Um, but you know, I guess what, what do you take away from the fact that the Braves seemingly are leaning in that direction? I don't want to say that that's absolutely happening because we just don't know. Um, right. But the reporting is that it seems likely it's never coming back. Yeah, you, you nailed it. With from the outside, I I wish they would get rid of Snicker. I mean, if they want to make him a bench coach or something, he seems kind of suited for that, given his you know his familiarity with the organization and relationship with the players. Tactically, he's not a strong manager, though. You know, at the end of the day, I guess, even if they got rid of Snicker, there's no guarantee that they would bring in a strong tactician. They might go for another guy who, you know, is going to get along with the players and have good relationships, um, but be a, you know, a similarly poor in-game manager. Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's hard to know who's really making these decisions in the front office if it's copy. I think if it was copy's decision, he would have got, he would have gone with somebody else than Snicker last winter. Um, but you still have the Bobby Cox, 
the John Hart, along a lot of the longtime uh, veterans of the organization who have a very real role in determining who's going to run the club moving forward. Um, you know, I, I guess I can kind of leave it at that. You know, we could probably talk for, you know, an hour about Snicker and his, you know, both the things going for him and against him. Uh, me personally, I would prefer a change uh, from him next year. Um, but again, as you mentioned, if the players like him, if, if your star player is happy with him, um, I, I guess that's, you know, you can't argue with it too much. Again, it wouldn't be my choice, but, um, you know, hopefully as he, if he is back in 2018, he's able to learn from his first full season in the dugout and, um, hopefully improve things. Like you said, um, not bunting as much better bullpen use, um, you know, kind of all the above there. I mean, not not hitting your worst hitter in the number two spot regularly would be good. Uh, that is ideal, yes. <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where I, you know my old our old pal Carlos uh, was always on record in saying that managers don't matter um, in the same way that people think that they do. But I actually have, I tend to agree with that. I think um, we make too big of a deal out of managers, uh, both positively and negatively. Um, most of the time, it's not really them. But uh, my thing with Snicker is that he the things that he does just frustrate me so much because they're so avoidable. Um, like not hitting Dan Santana second in the lineup. That's that's just one obvious one that happened this week, which is why I'm saying it over and over again. But, you know, lineup construction stuff, uh, the way you deal with your young players versus your veterans, the way that they handled Mike Fultonavich early on this season really infuriated me, especially when and, – and some of the comments like about production with Dansby Swanson when Nick Markakis was, uh, you know, a sub-replacement level player that played every single day for four months. Um, you know, that kind of stuff kind of just drives me insane about Snicker. And your point is a good one in that we don't really know who making that decision. Uh, I guess Copy and Hart and Sherholtz are all sort of in the mix there. Sherholtz is still around and uh, Snicker is from the Bobby Cox tree. And so is Freddie, so is Freddie Gonzalez. They've, for, some, for whatever reason, they've centered on this kind of ideal of players manager at the expense of tactical stuff, which... I, I okay, that's fine. I, it's I understand the methodology behind it. I suppose I just it's so difficult for me to overlook stuff that is so easily fixed. And like sometimes it's just simple math. Like that's the thing that I worry about is that there's there's a school of thought that he could improve as a manager, but at the same time, it, most of the stuff is sort of ingrained. Like you either get it or you don't. And if you're if his overwhelming stuff is this, it's this it's the traditional mindset of like you have to hit a, you have to hit a, mid, a middle infielder second in the lineup, and you have to do. Uh, just really old school stuff like Mark, like Markakis hits fifth like every other day and it's like the one the one thing the guy does is get on base and he's hitting in a power spot and has hit in a power spot all season long and he just he can't do that um, so I don't know it's not I could do as you mentioned we, we could do 20 minutes on Snicker I just, it's frustrating for me to see them sort of already lining the ducks up to have him come back even though uh, and last thing for me is that they did screw on the contract and I, that's the one thing I'll say in defense of Snicker. I said it at the time, I think, to you on this podcast, is that when they hired him, they gave him a contract that was not fair to Snicker in any way. They gave him no rope whatsoever. It's basically a one-year deal, and that's not his fault. Um, but with that said, he's still managing like like a guy who has a one-year contract. <laughs> so it's uh, that's not all on him, but, man, it's it's frustrating. I'll say that. Yep, yeah. It's, you know, he is who he is at this point, but here's hoping it's not as bad moving forward and we'll see. I mean, if, if they do bring Snicker back, I guess, uh, you know, there's not too much. A couple of guys chatting on a podcast can do, uh, <laughs> yes, no matter how much we would like to change things up. I was, uh, I was joking around about it actually a couple of weeks ago. Um, kind of waiting for the Braves to really be bad for a while and then win like 15 of their last 19 to save Snickers job. 
And apparently it didn't matter because the Braves were playing terribly in the middle of that stretch and they still saved Snickershop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's yep. uh, Anyway, let's get back to players before I uh, continue to rant forever. Uh, Max Fried is up, which is interesting. Um, Max Fried yeah. got called up uh, and, and actually is going to be a long reliever, it seems, for a while here. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? Obviously, they, they've said that the Freed is not going to stay a reliever. They still think he's a starter long-term, which is encouraging. That was the one thing I was worried about is that they were bailing on him as a starter. But what do you think when he was uh, called up this weekend? I was stunned when I saw it come up yesterday morning. Um, you know, he was a guy who got off to a really rough start with Mississippi. Um, sounds like his mechanics were out of whack. His pitches weren't having the life and, you know, and movement that they were last year, especially in the second half of last year when he really came on strong. So they had him, you know, not pitching games for about four weeks, and they, I'm sure, they did a lot of work with him in the bullpen, and you know, he made three three shortened starts. I think two of the starts were three innings, and one was four, um, and and he achieved better results. I mean, he didn't give up a run in any of the three appearances. He was striking out people. He wasn't walking. Uh, I mean, he still walked a few, but wasn't at the level he was before he sat out for a month. Um, so, you know, you hope that he found a mechanical adjustment or whatever it was. I was surprised to see him come up in the bullpen, and I sure hope that they're not giving up on him as a, a starter. Um, and plenty of, you know, good starting pitchers, uh, Chris Sale and Alex Wood come to mind from the left side, um, started out in the bullpen in the big league level and then transitioned to being starters. Um, let's hope, uh, or let's hope uh, you know, the Braves have a similar philosophy with him. Um, if he gets a couple of chances to pitch long relief, kind of, it sounds like that's going to be the plan for him this year couple of long relief outings, similar to Albies, you know, let him get a taste of the big leagues and then transition him. I would imagine he would go to AAA next season to start. Um, you know, I'm fine with it, um, especially if he wasn't going to be throwing deep into games in the minors. Um, let him get a taste of the big leagues and see what you might have there, give him something to work on during the winter. Um, somebody mentioned he seems like a guy who might go to the Arizona Fall League, which uh, for personal reasons I'd be very excited to see that. Um, and, uh, you know, if he's able to, to throw well, um, and of course, with his you know prior Tommy John surgery, the the whole key is to keep his elbow healthy. Um, you know, I, I'm hopeful for Max, and I think uh, with his big fastball and curveball, he's a chance to be a successful big leaguer. That's actually why I don't love it. Is the uh, the previous injury stuff to have him sort of change roles here is not ideal in that in, the, in my experience, in my opinion. That's uh, unscientific, of course. I could be wrong about that. Doesn't seem like the best idea in the world. But there was some buzz that he could actually be piggybacking with uh, Lucas Sims and sort of like tag teaming starts in the mm-hmm. way that like. But that obviously didn't happen on Sunday because Sims pitched, pitched six innings and there was no reason to do that. But I don't know. When, when we see him at the big league level, we'll probably learn a little bit about what he looks like in a relief role. But um, I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's it's just fine. It was a surprise, though, for sure. Our minor league guys were stunned um, at the time when that happened. That was all sort of in a uh, w- within an hour. It was uh, freed freed called up and Rodriguez traded like back to back, and it was kind of a weird uh, afternoon there in Braves country. But I'm okay with it. Freed's an interesting arm. We'll see what he looks like when he pitches. But worth worth hitting on that since it did happen over yeah. the weekend. Here's a, here's a fun one. Speaking of things happening over yeah. the weekend. Sean Rodriguez in the twelfth inning with the Pirates just hit a walk off homer. Of course he did. Uh, his first at bat back with the Pirates. That's pretty great. That is great, and uh, I won't even be. I won't even make fun of it because he's actually a good guy that I enjoy. Um, oh, yeah. totally. I will make fun of uh, why you said that. I will make fun of Bartolo Colon throwing a complete game the other day. That wanted me make one of the throw something off a bridge 
when yes. I saw him do that. Uh, and again, I like Bartolo Colon. Everybody likes Bartolo Colon, but my God, man, <laughs> where was where was that? Would have Couldn't have given us one of those. Yeah, just one know. would have been good. Like one good, exactly. one like lights out start would have been fun at some point. April and May, you know, yeah. And I think he gave up a couple runs too. It was just he the Rangers were basically swinging at the first pitch every time, so he got through nine innings with like ninety four pitches. But yeah, I sure would have taken a complete game victory when he was in Atlanta. That would have been nice. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Just wanted to say that since uh, we didn't hit on it earlier in the show. Uh, last couple of things here before I let you get out of here, man. Um, I wanted to ask about Sean Newcomb because Newcomb, uh, there was a lot of buzz right away about Newcomb. He was obviously great in the first couple of starts. Since then, not so great. And uh, the one issue that I had throughout was the walk rate, and it is back to 547 per nine innings in his 10 starts. That is a problem. It will always be a problem, seemingly. Um, he has been a little bit unlucky in terms of uh, home run rate, that kind of stuff. Um, so you could see why it might not be quite as bad as he has been recently. And his uh, his overall numbers are not awful. But that walk rate, man, it is, uh, it's a thing at 5.47. You, you just can't do that in the majors. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, he's a guy who throughout his entire minor league career – he has walked a lot of people. I mean, double A, his walk rate was about four and a half per nine. Triple A, it was above five. And in the big leagues, it's five and a half. So that's an alarming trend. And you see him, and it's one thing if he was a 20, you know, 20 year old who they're, you know, aggressively moving through the system. But, you know, Newcomb's 24. And that, while it doesn't make him an old man by any means, um, you know, he's had a lot of time in the minor leagues to hopefully figure things out. And to this point, um, he hasn't done it. Um, you know, again, it's, it'd be silly to freak out. He's made 10 starts. Um, you know, if you think about Mike fulton first 10 starts in the big leagues in 2015 compared to where he's at now, it's night and day. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that Newcomb is able to figure it out at the big league level, and I'm glad he's getting a chance to do it now rather than keeping him in the minors and seeing, you know, what he can do to open up next year. Um, and I think you have to continue running him out there to, to hopefully have him improve his command and learn how to pitch big league hitters. Um, but if he's going to, I think he walked seven guys in like three and a third innings or four and a third innings the other night, that, that that's absurd. And obviously, you know, you don't need to listen to this podcast here to know that if you walk seven guys in four innings, uh, you're not going to make it as a big league starter. Yeah. I mean the last, um, the last six starts, for Newcomb, he has 24 walks in 28 and a third innings, Oof. and that is uh, that's obviously it's it's a small sample and one that I'm cherry picking, but man, that's been not great. And listen, I agree. Like you can't you got to roll with Sean Newcomb at this point unless it gets like out of control bad. He's staying in the, he's staying in the rotation and he should. Um, his upside is considerable. There's no question about that. But um, my one concern and there was a lot of crowing about how his walk rate wouldn't be that big of an issue after the first four starts. And since then, those people are kind of quiet at this point in time. Uh, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Newcomb big time because uh, for one thing that uh, that trade is not looking at particularly awesome right now for uh, the Simmons trade. Hmm. Um, no. But aside from that, I just want Newcomb to be good because he's he when he has, when he has it going, man, he's a lot of fun and. Um, but it's frustrating when you walk in the park, and uh, we'll see if that continues. But well, and there was an inning against the, I think it was the Dodgers on Thursday night, where you know he was he was bad early on, and then he was good, and then he was bad, and then he struck out the first two guys of an inning on like seven pitches, and it's like, damn, the, he has good stuff right now. And then he walked the next two batters on like nine pitches, and yep. literally within a stretch of five minutes and four hitters, he went from you know, six swinging strikes and nobody could touch him 
to throwing eight out of nine pitches out of the zone and putting two guys on. Um, it, it is literally a batter-by-batter batter basis, it seems, um, as if, if he has command or not. And uh, last thing on Newcomb, uh, I will say that a lot of this could be the competition jump. The first four starts were against the Mets, Marlins, Giants, and Padres. The next six starts, Houston, Washington, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Phillies, which actually he was pretty good against the Phillies on the road, and then back to the Dodgers. So yeah. that, that also matters. Uh, that's not all of it, I wouldn't say, but uh, pitching against some of the worst offenses in the league and then jumping up to the best offenses in the league, that could be a sharp contrast and uh, one that has bitten him as well. Um, last thing before a final mailback question to get you out of here uh, is that Randy Ventura got dealt this week. Uh, I will admit that I'm not uh, hugely familiar with Randy Ventura, but people were actually upset about this, which was funny. Uh, there were some Rays fans that were not pleased about this, but uh, in reality, it's basically him, uh, the 20-year-old, being dumped as part of a, uh, a, a deal to uh, increase the international bonus pool. Our prospect guys seem to be okay with this, which means that I'm okay with it, but uh, I wonder if you had a yeah. take one way or the other. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, he's a very raw player. He's he's a speedy outfielder, but um, just pulling up his, his career numbers, uh, his slugging percentage in the minor leagues is about 370-ish. Um, so other than speed and a decent glove in the outfield, um, I was stunned that a guy like Randy Ventura could bring back a million, you know, what was it, 1.2, 1.3 million um, I was surprised when I saw that figure come through, um, but uh, you know, I, I think it's one of those deals. I'm sure the Braves wanted to, uh, you know, to, to have more money to spend um, internationally because they really seem to be targeting hitters um, in in that signing process. And why the Reds would give up a million and a quarter for Randy Ventura? I don't know if they're trying to infuse more speed into their system or what. Um, but I was kind of surprised to see it happen. I was even more surprised by the dollar figure. So. I, I guess I like the trade. Um, as you mentioned, our prospect guys didn't lose their minds, so that, I guess that's a good sign. Um, but, yeah, kind of a odd trade, but I'm fine with it, so I guess it is what it is. Yeah, and I'll be timed one as well, but uh, I'm okay with it. All right, uh, last thing. Another question from at uh, WC Sanders 3. He asks, uh, what are your thoughts on a Kemp Marcakis platoon in left field in 2018, <laughs> which um, at first glance means that's a lot of money to be playing in left field. Um, but we can also sort of toss that into the fact that uh, a lot of these veterans um, could be dealt this week. Uh, sorry, not this week. Well, could be this week, but this month between uh, those two guys, of course, would be interesting. Uh, Matt Adams, Jim Johnson, Ari Dickey. We could sort of fold that into uh, that as well. But I wanted you to get your thoughts on the, on the at least the possibility of rolling out a Kemp, Mar- Kemp and Marcakis platoon for next year. Uh, I can't see it happening personally. I think, uh, you know, that, that might be a move you make with a, you know, like a video game platoon where it just kind of makes sense. But, you know, you have two very, you know, longtime veterans who are very well respected. I can't imagine um, they would be very happy going into a platoon. I can't imagine the Braves would put them into a platoon. It would also be like a $32 million platoon, which would be kind of fun to see. Um, you know, I, I want to get Ronald Acuna up as soon as possible. Um, I think the Braves are going to be able to find someone for Marquez. He's hitting a little bit better the last two weeks, three weeks, which is an encouraging sign. Um, he just has one year left on his deal, even if the Braves have to eat you know, 20 or 30% of his remaining money. Um, I would think that they could find a suitor, um, even if not this month, during the winter months. Um, obviously, the Braves want to open up a spot for Acuna. Um, you know, and then as far as the other guys go, Jim Johnson is – I'm hoping that Jim Johnson can turn in a good week or two. I I'm not real confident in that. He's been pretty terrible the last month or so. Um, Dickey is interesting. He, he's been pitching pretty well as of late, but 
knowing he has the knuckleball, it's not as if just any team in baseball would be interested in him because you have to be confident that your catchers, I mean, the Braves catchers have had really about six months now to get familiar with his knuckleball and they're still having four five, six balls get past him a night. Um, you know, and then Matt Adams, again, it just kind of comes down to the return and everything like that. Um, he's really cooled off over the last couple weeks as well. Uh, so as far as the platoon goes, I don't think that's very likely. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if Markakis got moved. Um, and that's some, certainly something I'd like to see this winter. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine you're going to have a couple of, you know, 30 some odd year old outfielders in left field, um, each making upwards of 10 million a year, uh, making a platoon. Yeah, it does seem unlikely to me. I will say that if they're both on the roster, if you told me they're both on the roster, uh, I'm fine with it because I think if they're both on the roster and they're both starting in the corners, I'm going to throw things uh, next year um, just because I think we've kind of seen what these guys are at this point. You know, Kemp's been banged up a little bit. There was a sign of life early on with the bat, but uh, he has to be incredible with the bat to even be a slightly above replacement level player. That's how bad he is defensively. And Marquecas, man, I mean, even with all the sort of the hot streak lately, he's still basically a replacement level player at this point, making $11 million. So if they're both on the roster, then you could sort of flirt with a platoon. Maybe not maybe not a straight platoon, but maybe play, you know, Marquecas two days a week in right field along with whoever you whoever else you have and then have those guys flip around and left. That wouldn't blow me away. It's never going to happen, I will grant you, just like you said in there. I think that's very, very unlikely to at least ever occur. Um, but if you told me they both were on the roster and they have to be on the roster, then it isn't the craziest thing I've ever heard. But I don't know. I mean, I guess the you could think of it this way. If you have Ronald Acuna up next year, which is a, a big assumption because he is still very young. I know he's been incredible. But if he's your guy to start the season in right field uh, – because he makes no money and Ender's making very little money in center, I guess you could maybe talk me into both those guys being on the roster and platooning in left field. But yeah, I, I just don't see it. It's worth talking about. But and, and, and definitely an interesting question to consider because, I mean, that money, man. Uh, Kemp's money is a little bit interesting because some, some of it's offset by other clubs, but still a lot of money. And Marquecas, it's one more year. But Kemp, it's two more years. People seem to forget that Kemp has another year after next year. At, yeah. at twenty one million or whatever it is that the Braves uh, are paying him, so yeah, that's that's a trouble spot. Even more, uh, I would argue, almost more so than Marquecas at this point. Even though the spotlight and my personal spotlight is probably more on Marquecas because he's just been a, a, a spot of uh, frustration for me for a long time. But Kemp and the extra year is almost more problematic at this point than Marquecas is because it's more money and more years. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So uh, there's that. Uh, anyway, well, Scott, man, thank you for t- joining me as always on the show. You got anything you want to plug and get out there aside from your Twitter account, which you should always plug and anything you got going huh. on the site? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Scott Coleman 55. Um, you know, hopefully uh, I mentioned they play the Phillies this week and then they hit the road. I'm actually going to be seeing the Braves uh, next week when they come out to Colorado, um, see them lose a couple games in Coors Field because they never <laughs> play well in Coors Field. True, um, but I'll be out there. Send me a, a you know a DM or a tweet or whatever if you're going to be at Coors for the uh, for the series. Um, yeah, and stick uh, you know keep uh, checking out the site. Obviously, as we wind down here in the minor league seasons, lots of good stuff going on there as always, um, and the day to day news is always uh, as good as it gets online. So. For sure. We're on top of everything. Uh, I'm not writing a ton right now, aside from uh, recap stuff and, of course, the podcast you're listening to. But uh, something at some point, I'll be writing something about the Braves shortly. And uh, if not us, somebody's writing something, I promise you, uh, every day on Talking Chop. So visit us. Uh, do all those fun things. And uh, listen, we're one of the few sites out there that can uh, actually be entertaining when the team's not entertaining. <laughs> huh. So uh, there's that. Uh, yeah, we kind of... 
you got to keep it fun this time of year, you know. It's, fun it's and just... prospects, man. I mean, the prospect guys have saved us for a long time now during the rebuild because uh, this year there's been some ups. There's been some ups at least. Uh, at least la- last year was mostly downs. The year before that, mostly downs. This year, some more ups than downs at times. But at the end of the day, uh, a product that's not terribly exciting. But the prospect guys uh, carry us, and uh, you and I try to have fun. So here we are. Absolutely, that's right. <laughs> All right, as for, uh, as for as for Scott and as for me, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll be back again next week with a new episode. And, uh, yeah, until then, uh, enjoy the Braves and stay tuned.